Have you ever heard of cutsophobia? Cutsophobia? Phobia. Fear of. Kudzu. I don't know if it exists, but my wife thinks I have it. Kudzu-phobia. Kudzu-phobia. So, there was a period of time when I thought that kudzu was taking over the country. And every time we'd pass by it, I'd say, look at, I mean, you can, you can see it growing. It's taking over. You know, you can hear it. You know, it's just stretching out. It grows like six inches a day. Kudzu does. Did you know that? Six inches a day. It's amazing. Somebody brought it from an Asian country and thought it'd be a great idea, you know, ground cover. But it must like red clay or something. I don't know, because in the southeast, it's just going crazy. And, and so there are, there are unintended, unintended consequences. There are unintended consequences. Right? They exist. Unintended consequences. To good things that we try to do. Right? Uh, The point is is that motives, motives matter. Now, when when you're standing there and, and somebody comes up to you in your household who wouldn't normally offer to do something, do some work, right? Hey, can I help you out with the dishes? Can I, can I sweep? Could I, could I wash the windows or something? You know? Think of moms or something. Mom, could I, could, I, could I take out the trash for you? Right? You're thinking, hmm, what's that all about? Right? <laughs> right? Someone calls you from, from, uh, from Florida and says, hey, we want to offer you a, a free three-day vacation. Right? You're thinking, click, right? That's what you're thinking. Why? Because there's a motive. There's a hidden agenda. There's something behind it, right? When you're in, in a conversation with somebody very close to you, very important to you, maybe your spouse or maybe a good friend, and all of a sudden, and, and, it's, and it's a difficult conversation, maybe it's a disagreement, and then all of a sudden the other person says, oh, you're right. No, you're right. That's not good, is it? That's not good. It doesn't mean you're right. It means something else, right? And you don't know what it's going to be. Right? There are motives behind things we do. And, and, and motives can bring in unintended consequences. Solomon, I'm about to read from Ecclesiastes. Solomon is the writer of Ecclesiastes. Solomon was wealthy beyond imagination. And, and he did things with his wealth that were self-serving. He did things with his wealth that appeared to be philanthropic, right? That appeared to be for the common good. But the motive that drove him to doing these public works was a selfish motive. And there were unintended consequences as a result. There were consequences internally. There were consequences externally. And so let's consider how much motive matters and what is the highest and best motive of all. From the Word of God, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting with verse 1, 1 through 11. I said in my heart, come now. 
I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under the sun or under heaven during the few days of their life. So he's making a test, right? He's saying, all right, I'm intentionally sort of, it's almost like he's having this out-of-body experience. He's saying, I still have my wisdom, but I'm testing out what is meaningful in life. I made great works, and these are public works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them uh, all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools. These are reservoirs from which to water the forest of growing trees. I, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had ever been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers and both men and women and many concubines, the delights of the sons of man. And so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, it was all vanity and striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Well, that's cheery, isn't it? <laughs> we better pray. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom that comes from spending time looking through the eyes of someone else who had the power and the means to make a test of what's worthwhile. And so we pray that you'd bless this word, not only to our minds to understand it, but also to our hearts and hands that we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's make a test, not of pleasure this morning, but of motive. A test of motive. How do we test motives? We have two questions to consider. Is it guilt or is it anger that's driving your good deed? When it comes to doing good in the world, when it comes to the, the kinds of good neighborliness that we've been talking about during this series, when it comes to to taking what we have and investing it for the sake of other people. What's driving that motive? Am I? See, if I have an untested motive, I might, I might bring unintended consequences. I might be that the kid who's trying to be helpful around the house. What does he really want? Right? I might be, I might be that phone call from Florida, right? And I'm saying, yo, I have this thing for you, and I, but I have unexamined motives. And what I really want, I don't even, I'm not even fully conscious of it, right? 
unintended consequences can come from good deeds, from, from our very best that we have to offer. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason is not the right thing. We must do the right thing for the right reason. So how do we examine? We ask these two questions. Is it guilt? Is it anger? First, is it guilt? If it's guilt, if it's guilt that's driving me to do something good for someone else, if it's guilt that's driving it, then I'm probably giving it to myself. Think about that for just a minute. If I'm driven to do good out of guilt, I'm probably giving it to myself. Let's test that out for just a minute. Do you believe that? I mean, do you, do you understand that? Can, can, you, can you experience have you, have you Have you experienced that in your own life where guilt is driving you to do something and so you're actually trying to do something good for yourself? There, there was a celebrity. I hope you can't figure out who this is, but you probably might be able to because uh, this is not a positive example. Uh, this is someone who did something out of guilt did good out of guilt, but there were unintended consequences. And, and this celebrity gave away a, a whole bunch of cars. And I remember at the time that they were giving away these cars, this is a very popular person, very, um, this is somebody who, who people think of as, as, as wise and philanthropic and somebody sort of a pace setter for our culture and in a good way. And I remember them saying, boy, that, look at that, that's so generous. And I'm saying, be discerning, people. Are you serious? Can you not be more discerning to think that giving away a bunch of cars for a TV show is generosity? Is that really generosity? Are you not more discerning than that? These are people around in my church. I mean, I didn't say that. I just thought it. I know. I gave you too much information. I'm sorry. Be more discerning. Because if you can't discern when, when a celebrity giving away cars is not being generous, then how are you going to discern your own motives, your own generosity? It turns out that giving away these cars cost every recipient $7,000, a gift tax. The, the, the pushback on this, the, the, the waves that happened after this, it really backfired. This was a publicity stunt. The celebrity was giving the cars to themselves. themselves. The, 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 the show was it, was, it was to give the cars to themselves. Motive matters. Motive matters. We, we, we have to be discerning and examining why we're doing what we're doing. Solomon, you can see in, in, in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, his public works, I mean, you think, well, well this, he's, he's saying he's giving it to himself. Well, isn't that very revealing? Because, I mean, what, what, can, he do with, what can he do with all that he had amassed? Of course, it's benefiting the people around him. Of course, it's benefiting the, the, all of Jerusalem. Of course, amassing this and, and layering this wealth up and, and, uh, and, and developing parks and developing reservoirs. Of course, it's, it's to his own self-aggrandizement. 
Of course, all of this is supposed to be philanthropic and, and generous. And yet he's seeing the emptiness in it, even betraying himself in the way he's saying this. He's, he's wise. His wisdom is sticking with him. He knows that, that if he's doing something just under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, if it's just for today, the only significance that you can find is what little pleasure you gained from doing it. That's what he's saying. That's the point of Ecclesiastes. Now imagine doing something for somebody and not getting any credit. Like there's no way you're going to get any credit for it. John Piper said this, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. How could you possibly have the motivation to do something for someone and get zero credit for it? Imagine, put yourself there in that position. You're going to give something away. You're going to enable somebody to go to college. You're going to do something for someone. You're going you're to inconvenience yourself in such a way that, that at the end of it, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going it's to take a hunk out of your flesh, right? And afterwards, are you going to be bitter or are you going to be fulfilled? The difference is, why did you do it? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The scriptures say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus says, You're the light of the world. Let your light shine before everyone, before people, before man, before humankind. Let your light shine before humankind, all humankind, that in such a way, okay, in such a way, how we do it, why we do it matters. Let your light shine before men in such a way, right? Let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do you see? Let your light do, do good, do the common good, work for the common good in such a way, how you do it, why you do it, that when they see you doing it, when they see those good works, they're not going to say, oh, what a, what a grand lady she is. What a, what a great guy. No, that, that your good deeds are done in such a way that they point beyond you. You can tell when somebody is pointing past them, right? You can tell when someone's pointing past them. That's one reason I love our band, our musicians. I mean, I can tell. They are worshiping, right? They're not here to perform. You can tell when somebody is, is inviting you into worship, and, it's, and it's, it's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for all the musicians, both in this service and the other service. They're pointing past themselves. Let your light shine before God in such a way that you're pointing beyond yourself. This is what's missing from Solomon's. This is what Solomon is implying is missing from life when we have no greater motive, when we're not doing it for our highest and best, and that is for God's glory. See, when we give out of guilt, when we give out of guilt, we're actually giving to ourselves. Second, anger. 
Are you giving out of anger? You say, anger? I don't give out of anger. Are you helping somebody out of anger? Out of a sense of anger or bitterness or frustration with the way things are? You look at the world and you see the injustice and you see the brokenness and it makes you angry, but not a righteous anger. Not, you know, I'm so upset that things are broken in this world. I'm going to step in there and do it. It's, it's this kind of anger. It says, I know better. I know better than the politicians. I know better than, than that class of people. I know better than the status quo. I know better than the establishment types. I know better, and I'm so upset and angry that I'm not in power, right? And so I'm, I am going to do good works to my own benefit, to my own aggrandizement. You see, this is what I think is going on in our age. We have lost, we being our, our, the people, the larger community, the larger society that we live in, have lost what? What have we lost? We've lost the ability to have our sins atoned for. And so what do we do? We direct it at a cause. Why are people so obsessive about causes? Everybody has a cause. You know, every social media site, every individual social media site has some kind of cause about it. When, when, when a gorilla is shot in the interest of, of protecting a child, people go crazy, right? They go crazy. They don't think about the fact that the gorilla might have killed the child, but they go crazy. They're like, I can't believe the injustice of that. I know better. Why are people so manic and, 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 and absolutely berserk about an incident like that? Why did that go so crazy? Why? Because their investment is not just in the gorilla, it's in themselves. I'm angry because I know better. This is my cause. I, I, I am being atoned for because I am better than those people who would do that thing, whatever it is. Right? Do you see how cause becomes people's religion? Why are people so absolutely berserk about the environment? Now, we're stewards of the environment. Christians, the church should be pace setters in terms of being good stewards of the environment. The cause, the reason is there, but the motive must be right. It's for God's glory. If it's for my justification that I am going to go berserk, I'm going to start sounding nuts. And this is what's happening. People are so invested in their cause because they're, what they're invested in is their own self-justification. Self-justification through cause. You see, if I'm for that thing and you're not, or if I can divide the, the country between, have, uh, between uh, for and against, right? Pro and con, then I can be on the good side of history. I can be one of the good guys because I'm for this thing that I can see and measure. And that has become our religion. In the United States. And it's divisive, it's corrosive, it's corrupting. It corrupts. Tolkien said this He said, It's not our part to master all the tides of the world. It's not our part to master all the tides of the world. These things that are beyond our control, you see, it's not our part to master them. But what? What is our part to do? What, is, what are we supposed to do? 
Solomon's asking the question, what, what are we supposed to do? But to do what is in us for the relief of those years wherein we're set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after us may have clean earth to till. The changes in the weather they experience is not ours to rule. You see, that's wisdom. That's the wisdom of Solomon. It says, I, 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 don't, need, I don't need to have such a manic approach to every cause that I would totalize my power in order to see it happen. Did you follow what I'm saying? See, this kind of mindset takes us towards totalitarianism. It does. Whether it's religious or whether it's communist or whether it's uh, some other form of total control so that the cause can be a certain way so that we can affect change o- over the masses. And this, is, this is where we seem to be pointed. And this is why Solomon got so cynical. He said, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe I can have total control and total power over everything and I can make everything right under, you know, because I am not only king for the day, I am king. But then I'm going to die. And who knows what's going to be done after me? And so he's realizing, he's playing the movie forward and he's saying, this is meaningless unless there's something greater, unless there's a greater cause, unless there's a greater motive. You see, unless we're driven by what? Not by guilt, not by anger over my own justification, but by God's glory. Glory must drive even our good deeds. Glory must drive. Well, what's glory? Glory is the outward expression of the holiness of God. Glory is, is the manifestation of the presence of God. Glory is the palpable sense of God's holy presence. Let me, uh, let me read to you uh, John Piper, a full paragraph here. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. The glory of God is the manifest, right, the here and now, beauty of his holiness. It's the going public of his holiness. I love that. The going public of his holiness. We're talking about being good neighbors, right? How do we go public? Are we going public just with my own anger and self-justification or my guilt or am I going public with the glory of God expressed in the here and now? It's the going public of his holiness. It's the way he puts his holiness on display for people to apprehend. The heavens are telling the glory of God. What does that mean? It means he's shouting at us. He's shouting at us. He shouts with clouds. He shouts with blue expanse. He shouts with gold on the horizons. He shouts with galaxies and stars. He's shouting, I am glorious. Open your eyes. Do you see it? Do you see it? You were made for this. You're made for the glory of God. It's his highest and best for you. That's why God insists on his glory above all else because it is to our benefit. If we are made for the glory of God, then we must be driven by it. Hungry for it. 
looking and experiencing it, filled with it, so that our fulfillment may spill out into our neighborhoods. Psalm 19 that, that Bryant read this morning says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. Day to day they pour forth speech. Night to night they reveal knowledge. There's no speech or no words whose voice cannot be heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving its chamber. That is just awesome. What an incredible image. It's, um, it's an R-rated image. When, uh, th- like the strong man who runs his course with joy, I did it, I broke the tape. He's describing the sun coming up in the morning. Is, when was the last time you saw the sunrise and said, the glory of God is manifest in this very morning? It's rising from the ends of the heavens. There's a guy named Gerard Manley Hopkins who, reading this poem, said this. He said, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like the shining from shook foil. It gathers to greatness like the ooze of oil. The ooze of oil, yeah, think about I'm talking about like olive oil, right? It takes the golden sun and a tree produces an, a fruit that creates this, this, this goodness that's so... And now we find out, you know, centuries and centuries later how good olive oil is for you, right? Gathers to greatness like the ooze of oil, crushed. Why do men now not wreck his rod? Why do they not obey him? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil. And for all this, nature is never spent. Their lives, the dearest freshness, deep down things. And though the last lights of the black west went, oh, morning at the brown brink eastward springs. What's he looking for? He's looking for the words that stretch to the manifestation of the glory of God. We try with language to capture it. Music, we discover, we discover is, is, a, is a yielding or an expression or, a, or a, a stretching of the human spirit to capture the beauty of the manifestation of God's holiness. That's why somebody said, there's a music that we're born remembering. Isn't that fantastic? I love that. A music we're born remembering. That's why Bach said that you don't create music, you discover it. A music we're born remembering. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus, for the glory set before him endured the cross. What was the glory set before him? What was the glory set before him? What was the glory set before him? Think, what was the glory? Do you know what it is? Do you know what the glory set before him was that he endured the cross? What was the glory? It's you and you 
and you. You are the glory set before him. What? It is the manifestation of God's redemptive power in you. Now, is that driving our good deeds? The idea that somebody who is last or least or lost in our neighborhoods around us is the manifestation of God's holiness, his goodness in and through their lives. Are we acting out of a motive to see God's glory made manifest in the lives of other people around us? Are we driven by that? If you're not driven by it, then maybe you haven't experienced it yet. Because if you experience the glory of God in your life, the very presence of God, his holiness in your life, his redemptive, forgiving, all-embracing power and presence in your life, when you experience that, of course you're going to want it for somebody else. Of course, every good deed that you do, every good thought that you can have, every action you can take for the benefit of somebody else, of course it's going to be driven by the very highest and best you have ever experienced. Of course it's going to be because that's what you want to see in the world around you. Not just not just an evening out of economic powers. Not just black and white getting along better. Not just people moving towards one another to give and not to get, but God's very glory expressed in our neighborhoods, in our lifestyles, in the way that we live and move and have our being. That's what Solomon was implying with his negative Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He's saying, apart from the glory of God, it's meaningless. But with it, our motive can fill our neighbors, can fill our neighborhoods, can fill our good deeds with great things and give life rather than to steal it. Let's pray.